There we go. Hey, Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Welcome. We're in. We're continuing our series through the book of Luke, and we are thankful to have you. We're here at this very important event, which is called Jesus' Transfiguration, his changing of his face, really, and uh, being, it seems. Uh, this is the last Sunday of the month, so we have questions and answers after this, at the end of the service. You can feel free to email those in during the service, and I'll do my best to answer them. Let me pray one more time. Um, my mind's going a million different directions here. I need help. Lord, we're thankful for all that you are and all that you do. Lord, what we know not, we pray you would teach us. What we see not, we pray you would show us. What we are not, we pray you would make us. In Jesus' name, amen. So imagine going to the mailbox and opening a suspicious-looking letter. Maybe it's, uh, or maybe you find it on your car windshield or in the front door waiting for you as you come home. There's no return address. And you open it up, and it says just this, I'm going to expose you. Who you really are will be made known. You will be a headline on this or that website. I'm going to expose you. What would be the first thing that goes through your mind? Those things that you did that maybe nobody knows about? Would it be a little bit of fear, wondering if, if your true nature was coming out for all the world to see? If, if exposure didn't happen, if we weren't afraid of that, blackmail would not exist, but it does. When we think of being exposed with who we really are being known, most of us shudder at the thought. It's scary. All kinds of things are exposed in our time of smartphones with cameras and mass media. The marital relationship between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is being exposed. 
And it, as little as I know about it, it seems like it's a mess. Seems like celebrities don't have their lives together as well as we might think. In the last few days, the Southern Baptist Convention, one of the best theological denominations in the country, has been exposed. They've been hiding, seems like at times, different people, not everybody, all kinds of sexual sin, including among the leadership. Now, praise God that they're now taking the first steps of repentance, but the reality is, is that we're afraid of being exposed. You, many Christians have walked away from churches for that exact reason. The reality of certain churches or pastors have come out. They're disappointed, scared. You can imagine the headlines, church leaders exposed, secret life of Spokane pastor exposed. That's why so many people out there say, don't meet your heroes. Don't meet that favorite movie star. You'll hate his movies after you really get to know him. Don't hate that, don't meet that musician. You won't be able to listen to his music anymore because the truth is exposed. Well, Luke is writing here to expose Jesus as he really is. Luke has been doing all kinds of things. He's showing us that Jesus is the Christ. But what does that mean? Have you figured out who Jesus is? Do you know how he's connected to the eternal God? Have you experienced his glory? And Luke 9, 28 through 36 gives us really this headline. Our glorious, and I'll talk about glory near the end, our glorious Jesus Christ exposed. That would be the headline. Our glorious Jesus Christ exposed. Now, so throughout recent verses and chapters, we've seen what Jesus can do. But now we're going to see who Jesus is, and he's been showing us that. So many of us are going to see Jesus exposed here, and so many of us are afraid of getting too close to people, because when we find out what they're really like, we'll be disappointed and hurt, harmed. But you don't need to fear that with Jesus, so our glorious Jesus will not let us down. He's going to be exposed in four ways in these verses. We want to know him more and more in light of that. So the four ways are this. He's going to be exposed while he's praying. He's going to go up to pray and he'll be exposed. He's going to be exposed by Moses and Elijah in this very unusual supernatural event. Then he's going to be exposed but misunderstood where a lot of us go wrong. And finally, he's going to be exposed really the climax as the only divine son. So four things. The first one, our glorious Jesus Christ is exposed while praying. Whenever Luke mentions prayer, something significant follows immediately, right away. And that's what happens here. Here's this person who's praying and we see who he truly is. When it's just you and God, that's who you really are praying. Let's read verses 28 through 29. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he, was as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. So Jesus goes up to a mountain, traditionally places where people would meet with gods, with a god, the god even in this case. And Jesus prays. Jesus prays. Now, you'd think if anybody didn't need prayer, it would be Jesus. 
But look at him. He, he so wants to relate to God the Father that he spends devoted time in prayer. That's, and that's what exposes him as he is. As he's praying, his reality is exposed in this word. There's a dazzling white. There's really language elsewhere that connects it with the brightness of lightning. So just as it's the, the sky is black, boom, white, white strike of lightning, and then the whole, the whole cloud or the whole sky lights up just for a moment. That's the sort of light we're seeing here when Jesus is exposed while praying. This exposes Jesus as undoubtedly some sort of heavenly being. Everywhere else where this sort of language is used in the Bible, it's an angel or something more. So he's at least something like that. So in earlier chapters, there's all this recent talk about Jesus being a prophet. That's helpful for us. But prophets are mere men. Jesus is exposed as something more while he's praying. He's something more. Now, if a church is meant to image Jesus, what would it say? Wouldn't it be great if we could be exposed as a church that prays? A praying church. Every week, people visit our church. Some of them never come back for any number of reasons. Maybe they... Uh, we are exposed as not flashy enough for them. Maybe there's not good enough preaching. Maybe not quite friendly enough. Not diverse enough. Not tolerant enough. Perhaps some of those things should change and some of them shouldn't. But what if we were exposed with, you know, I didn't love my experience at that church, but they're a praying church. Church that prays. What if after a couple minutes of small talk getting to know somebody... Then we said, how can I pray for you? And then you took 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes to do that. I think that would change us as a church. We would be like the Jesus who prays. And we would be exposed as people who trust God and believe he can do things. And I think that will glorify God and expose Jesus Christ even more. So the headline is, Our Glorious Jesus Christ Exposed. He was exposed when he's praying. Now let's notice the second thing. Our glorious Jesus Christ exposed by Moses and Elijah. Exposed by Moses and Elijah. So these previous verses, if you go back and read, there's all this talk. Jesus, maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe somehow we don't really know exactly what the first century mind was thinking, but they knew, understood something about Elijah coming again. Maybe he's Elijah the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And then this passage, if you know your Old Testament, has tons and tons of similarities to Moses. All kinds of things. The giver of the law, who went up on a mountain, met with God, came back with a shining face, reflection of God's glory. But let's notice how these two men, the greatest prophet and the giver of the law, point and expose the glorious Jesus Christ who is ours. Verses 30 through 31. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So this is an unheard of event, by the way. If you're here and you're not a Christian and you think Christians believe crazy stuff, you've come in and you probably have that confirmed. Here's some dead, dead guys uh, showing up talking to Jesus. 
but we're supernaturalists here. We believe that God, there's more than just this life. And we have reasonably good reasons for believing that, I believe. But now Jesus is speaking to two glorified men. People have been passed through the troubles and trials, difficulties of this life. They were sinners. They were people like you and me. And then God, through his grace, redeemed them, saved them, and they're changed. They're now passed into glorious perfection. They are not capable of sinning any longer. They are perfectly imaging God himself as they were meant to. And these two men symbolized the law and the prophets. This means they symbolized the whole Old Testament, everything. This seems to put Jesus in his conversation with them at least as an equal to these two men, at least, at least on equal footing. So these men are exposing Jesus in all his glory. Now, something else noteworthy is happening here too. You and I sometimes wonder what great ones talk about. Some of us think about that. Uh, the founding fathers, the Constitutional Convention, what did they talk about? Wouldn't it have been oh, nice to be a fly on the wall there and hear that? Or some of us wish we could go when the peace treaties were signed at the end of great wars. But notice what is exposed about Jesus in this conversation with Moses and Elijah. They talk about Jesus. They talk about him. That's pretty fascinating to me. All they seem to really care about is Jesus. But what about Jesus? Something about his departure, which is the word exodus. Jesus is about to accomplish this departure, this exodus, at Jerusalem. I love to listen to people's conversations. Often I hear moms sharing about what God is doing in their lives. I also like to overhear, usually before church, the security guys talking to one another. Commonly, they're talking about trying to engage their non-Christian friends in conversation, how to love them better, how to think about certain things. But sometimes I hear kids talking in their conversation, and I hear them talking about things like dinosaurs, or my little pony, or things like that. But we shouldn't be too surprised, should we? They're just kids. They're a little immature. So what do you think mature Christians talk about? What's on their mind? What's injected into their conversations? Moses and Elijah were sinners in life, but now they've been glorified and passed through that. And what they're talking about is Jesus and what he's done. That's the gospel. The gospel is the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. So sinless men are here talking about the gospel. Now, we don't know exactly all the details of what that word departure means, but it means at least this, talking at least about Jesus going to Jerusalem to be suffering and dying as the Savior for all who would put their faith and trust in him. At least that. At least that, and a little bit more, at least talking about his resurrection from the dead, and at least talking about his ascension into the heavens to the Father's right hand, his new exodus, his new departure. So as a church, we exist to glorify God through gospel-centered 
worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. And that provides me with a ton of comfort. When people visit and never come back, I think, boy, what do, where do we go wrong? Maybe we need this or that program. Maybe we need, uh, maybe I need some sort of surgery to make me more attractive. I don't know. Fill in the blank. But when I read stuff like this, I think, you know what? I think we're on the right track. If, if sinless people are talking about the gospel and injecting the gospel into their conversations, we should be too. So we're on the right track here. We don't do things perfectly. We can improve in every possible way. But if glorified saints are talking about the gospel, we should be too. Do you think about Jesus' departure much, his exodus? In the Old Testament, the exodus is God rescuing people from slavery. And how did that happen? A lamb had to be killed in the Passover meal. Jesus comes along, and he's a Passover meal, so to speak. He dies as the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And then in the exodus, these People are delivered and going descend down through the Red Sea, crossing with God's help. Jesus descends down into the grave. And then they come out the other side in Exodus. And they're given this idea of this, this idea that there's a priest. You can have a high priest who will help mediate between you and God. And Jesus ascends to the Father's right hand as an eternal high priest, always caring for you always praying for you, always seeking your best, always loving you. Do you think about that great departure or exodus? Jesus Christ is exposed by Moses and Elijah, and what they expose about him is that he is a glorious Savior. There's no one like him. We are so terrified of being fully exposed because of our sin, terrified of people knowing what we did on that day or in that hour. But when Jesus is exposed, we see someone who loves us so much, he's willing to die for us. And that's a good thing. So now we're free from the need to be slaves. We don't, we're not enslaved anymore. We're not enslaved to ourselves or slaves to following a certain set of rules. We're free. This exposes Jesus as he is. And all we have to do is believe. That's not out of reach of anybody. It can be, you don't have to have enough money. You don't have to be smart enough. Just need to believe. You don't have to be old enough. Just need to believe. You don't have to be young enough. You just need to believe. That's all you need to do. What we all need when we believe is to see Jesus Christ in his glory. And I can't make that happen. And you can't make that happen. Luke is writing to expose Jesus to us. And we get a dim little light coming through, a little bit of light through the window to see Jesus as he is. But not much. God's got to kind of crank up the heat for us. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. To reveal Jesus in all of his glory. Would you pray that God would reveal himself to us? As you're, as when, when someone's preaching and you're tempted to get bored, or you're singing and your heart's not stirred, would you pray that God would reveal himself as he really is? 
But Jesus is being exposed right here. He's exposed while they're praying. He's exposed with Moses and Elijah, by Moses and Elijah. Now let's notice that our glorious Jesus Christ is exposed but misunderstood. He's exposed but misunderstood. People don't get it. Let's read verses 32 through 33 and see how he's misunderstood. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. There it is. They saw his glory and the two men who, were st- who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Didn't get it. Peter is right that it's good that they are there. It's good to be around God and other godly saints. But look how weak our bodies and minds are. This probably happened at night, uh, based particularly on the next passage. Um, Our bodies are weak. We need sleep. We need rest. That's not sin. But it is a weakness. And sometimes those weaknesses hinder us from experiencing God as He really is, as seeing Jesus in fullness. But they are fully awake at this point. This is not a dream. This is not a vision. They see Jesus in glory. They see our glorious Jesus Christ. But they still misunderstand him. They think he's just one of a number of great men. He's just like Moses or just like Elijah. Yeah, great guys. He's just one of them. They think it's maybe this mountain is a good place to hang out. These guys just show up sometimes if you stick around long enough. They think maybe a few tents would bring in God's kingdom. They see Jesus Christ exposed in his glory, but they've misunderstood who he really is. Listen to this story someone told. One night I'm walking home from work and I see who I thought was my friend John just walking around Hell's Kitchen. That's a neighborhood in New York, kids. Um, Not literally Hell's Kitchen. And I yell, John! But he doesn't turn around. So I decide to yell it again. And instead of responding, his pace quickens. I decide the best thing to do is to run at him, which seems to terrify him. Keep in mind, it's late and there are very few people around. Anyway, I catch up to him and say, oh, you're not John. And then walk away from what was a very frightened Ethan Hawke, the actor. The man wasn't John at all. He was a stranger. He was misunderstood, but it wasn't until he got up close, saw who it really was. Ethan Hawke, I know you from something. The same thing happens when Jesus is exposed. We've got to get closer to him. We've got to get close to see him as he really is. And these people, Peter, James, and John, they got close. They got real close. And the true humanity of Jesus as he is, and we, he doesn't lose his humanity in these moments, is kind of diminished just for a second in their perception, they see his full divinity shining out. He's being exposed, exposed while praying through Moses and Elijah, but he's misunderstood. So how do we get that clarified? The last point, our glorious Jesus Christ exposed as the only divine son, the only divine son. Read verses 34 through 36 with me. As he was saying these things, that's Peter, 
a cloud came over came and overshadowed them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud and a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my son my chosen one listen to him and when the voice had spoken Jesus was found alone and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen Christ is present and exposed in his glory glory is God's holiness what makes him unique and separate and pure which totally different from everything else glory is God's holiness going public showing showing who he is and it's much easier to use the word than define it kind of like words like beauty but that's what it is the disciples are really seeing the kingdom of God they're seeing the king people have wondered if Jesus is the resurrected Elijah but Elijah was just here and this is a different guy Je- Elijah is leaving Jesus must be someone else than Elijah and there's all these parallels here to Moses ascending going up to Mount Sinai into the cloud where he meets with God and then the high priests later on would go through a cloud of incense into the holy place here's this cloud thing and people thinking boy this sounds a lot like Moses but Moses was just here it's not Moses because Moses is leaving this must be someone else and so this voice comes out of the cloud it's God the father and we've heard it before in the earlier chapters at his baptism and he speaks for the sake of the disciples let me explain who this is it's not Elijah it's not Moses it's not just a prophet this is my son my chosen one listen to him and they're so shocked and the event so overwhelming they don't really know what to say about it for many many weeks until he's raised from the dead it's like it's too much for them now all of this harkens back to that exodus again moses is meant to speak to pharaoh moses is so nervous here's what god says in exodus 4:22 beginning of verse 4:23 verse 23 then you shall say to pharaoh thus says the lord israel is my firstborn son and i say to you let my people go that he may serve me but here god says things differently we don't need to hear the i am the lord thus says the lord he says no listen to him listen to my son he's my son he's the divine son we need to listen to him and this fulfills Deuteronomy 18:15 also with Moses then the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you and from your brothers it is to him you shall listen Jesus is exposed he's the prophet that must be listened to he's not a mere prophet he's not merely a powerful teacher in his glory he's not to be mistaken for an angel he's not just a man who's in the right place at the right time he's the divine son He's the only divine son and the book of Hebrews makes a big deal about that. There's no one like him. He's been exposed. And what we see is good stuff. Moses might have reflected God's glory a little bit when he's up on the mountain. But it's like the difference between the moon reflecting the sun and the sun at midday. Jesus, his 
His glory is exposed and it's bright and it's coming from within. It's not bouncing off of Moses' face. God the Father proves that he's a son. This is my son. Listen to him. Exposed. Here's who Jesus is. You don't need to fear Jesus being exposed if you're a Christian. Churches will fail. Pastors will disappoint. Parents will let you down. Spouses will sin against you time and time again. We don't want to get too close to them. People say, don't don't throw all your eggs in this religious basket. Protect yourself a little bit. Don't get too close to Jesus. Be a little extreme. Don't go overboard with all this faith in religion. You might be let down. Not so. Jesus is exposed, and Jesus is glorious, and Jesus is sinless, and Jesus is loving. And here's the thing we have to understand. If you're a Christian, this glorious Jesus is ours. He's ours. He has made us his. He becomes ours. So you're wondering if following Christ is the right choice. There's so many Muslims in the world. Number of self-proclaimed atheists and agnostics in our culture is growing. You don't want to get this wrong. You don't want a piece of information to come out about Jesus and ruin it all. But look, Jesus is exposed right here. He's the divine son. You don't need to hide from knowing Jesus better, nor relying on him. He's the one you really need to listen to. He's the emergency broadcast system. Interrupting your life. Telling you, you need the Son. Now the book of Revelation, the most annoying thing is that this is going to keep going on for a while. The book of Revelation is an exposing of Jesus in his full glory too. Comes like this. We're told that This Jesus will return again like this, in the fullness of his glory. That's what's going to happen. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And for those who don't know him, it's going to be scary. It's going to be the most terrifying thing ever. I have, right now I'm making a mess in my house, trying to fix a kitchen floor, and what the builders in the 70s did is they put down particle board as underlayment. On the outside, particle board looks okay, but a little bit of moisture gets in and it just crumbles, falls apart. That's what happens. And the last day when Jesus comes in the fullness of his glory, some of us are trusting in our works. And on the outside, they look kind of okay. But in this, under judgment, When they're examined and exposed, it's going to be like water, crumbling them. So don't trust in those. Trust in this Jesus. You're seeing him as he is. He can be trusted. He'll care for you. If you do trust him, it will be a day of rejoicing. You'll see Jesus exposed in that day. Or you'll see it even sooner if you die and go into glory. You will be overcome with the privilege of knowing Jesus, you will rejoice and he will rejoice with you. And we'll speak like Peter in those days. 
And we'll say something, because we'll be so overcome, we'll try to come up with something, and it's probably going to be something kind of lame, but still meaningful. It's good that we're here. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you are good to us. We're thankful that it points us to Jesus Christ. We pray that you would expose him to our hearts through the work of your spirit. Lord, we humble ourselves and recognize that's an impossibility unless you go to work. So we pray you would help us to see him as he is. Strengthen us by your spirit to see him as he is. Help us to be humble people who don't hide our sin, but recognize that we have a God who welcomes us, treasures us. In Jesus' name, amen.